Welcome to Honor Radio. I am your host, Mark Soto, and our producer is my friend and video tech genius, Rick Sutter. Rick, give me a Muttley laugh. <laughs> awesome, buddy. Listen, guys, um, we do Honor Radio to educate, inspire, and touch you, the listening audience, and we have been so blessed that we have had some amazing people on this show over the years. Uh, a few people to, to, to bring up is John Lynch Sr., um, who used to be the president of the San Diego Tribune newspaper, and now his son, John Lynch Jr., Hall of Fame football player, is the general manager for the 49ers. We've had American Sniper, the guy that wrote the book, American Sniper, Scott McEwen, on this show, and, uh, and that book became an award, Academy Award-winning movie. And then we've had Coach Joe Kennedy on, who took his fight of being able to pray on the football field all the way to the Supreme Court and won. Um, we use this platform to educate people about uh, what we do with the Honor Group, uh, the friends that we've met over the years, uh, the people that have inspired us and have encouraged us to keep moving forward. And guys, I got to tell you right now, we are so honored to have two uh, Marines on here, uh, that we have met, uh, we've known actually since 2010, these are two Marines that used to be with the third battalion, fifth Marines. And, uh, we're going to have them tell their stories. And these are the two gentlemen that go into our locker rooms and perform, uh, what we call our moto talks. And we thought it would be really good for you to hear their stories because these are the guys that go in those locker rooms and talk about sacrifice, brotherhood, commitment. It's extremely powerful. And uh, I want to introduce to you uh, Sergeant Marcus Chichilli and Gunnery Sergeant Freddie Torres. Guys, welcome to Honor Radio. It's great to have you. Great to have you on the show. Really is, guys. Hey, man, I want to tell you right now, I'm a little nervous about having you guys on this show, man, because I just love you guys so much. We've become so close over the years, countless upon countless honor the bowls that we've all done together. Uh, Freddie and I were just talking. How many Moto Talks do you think you've done, Freddie? Over 50, easily. I mean, over, over 50, right? What about you, Marcus? I mean, you go all the way back to 2013 with us. Yeah, honestly, I, I have never kept count of how many times we've participated. <laughs> so it's always just a really good event to be a part of. Guys, I, I want the listener to know you, Mitman, uh, your stories. Uh, Marcus, let's start with you, my friend. And, uh, uh, you know, you go into the locker rooms and you talk about your injury, um, what you remember from that day. Give our listening audience a little bit about what you remember from that infamous day of when you got wounded on the battlefield. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, October 9th, 2010 was my original original date of injury. Uh, I was in a place called Kajaki, Afghanistan, uh, was serving with 3rd Battalion 5th Marines, uh, H&S Company at the time. I was part of the PAT team out to assist uh, the, I, or the Afghan uh, national police forces out in that area to kind of increase their capabilities. And uh, while we were out on patrol, um, I stepped on an IED and that resulted uh, me in losing my left leg above the knee. Now, it, it, 
you say something in the locker rooms about how when the bomb went off under you, you could actually feel yourself in the air, right? About spinning up in the air and going up, down, up, down. I remember one time you were describing that. Do you recall that, buddy? Yeah, I think that was kind of like one of those, uh, you know, fog of war type moments. I've actually replayed a portion of that video and it's it's super funny because I say blue sky, I think like back to back, you know. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You blue sky, ground, blue sky, blue sky, and then just down, you know, and uh, it, it doesn't take, you know, like I said, about one, two, and you're just like, oh, crap, I just stepped on an IED. Um, so, um, I think it just, I, I like the, when people ask me that, I just, it, tons of pressure um i i couldn't i mean i knew i was hurt uh but just tons of pressure kind of just like unimaginable but yeah you could definitely feel a lot of a lot of pain uh, everywhere um but yeah i just remember feeling a lot of pressure on, on my left leg a couple different times uh when you actually see that video it's really really funny i think in in all in all purpose um you know it's very intense uh situation to kind of get through it's it's pretty crazy to try to articulate, uh, you know, only I think a couple months after injury is, is pretty funny on my part because uh, now, now that we have a little bit more extensive knowledge about, you know, that day and what happened, um, you know, we can talk a little bit clearly, pretty clearly on that. But yeah, right. to, to sit and watch the video on uh, that first interview, I think we did uh, before yeah. I had even gotten into a prosthetic, uh, yeah. we were talking about, you know, increasing your capabilities on on sharing three, five story um, and, and getting these guys a little bit more visibility into what was happening in Afghanistan at the time. You know, Freddie, you're so, I mean, Marcus, you're such an inspiration. I mean, bud, uh, it's been such an honor to get to know you over the years. I met you actually while you were at Balboa hospital, you were still uh, in the heat of recovering from your wounds. Um, like you said, you hadn't even gotten your prosthetic yet. Right. And uh, yeah, I mean, it was just so powerful to meet you. Um, some of your fellow warriors, then you went on to play basketball. Tell us a little bit more about that, about what happened after injury and how you got into being an athlete. Yeah, absolutely. Um, getting into athletics and, uh, um, you know, adaptive sports was really key to my success and recovery. Um, I didn't really see myself in a wheelchair, let alone playing sports in a wheelchair. Um, so to be introduced into stuff like that, it went very, very quick. It was a lot of fun. It was very competitive. We had a lot of guys uh, that were at the hospital at the time participating in the same sports. We formed a wheelchair basketball team that was comprised of primarily all Marines. We had a few foremen on our team at the at the time. Um, and we had a few guys in the civilian sector who really taught us about, you know, the game. We went from Division three to Division two to Division one uh, within a few short years and then within playing our uh, third year inside of the uh, National Wheelchair Basketball Association, we were reigning champions across the United States. Um, so Division One Wheelchair Basketball is really, really cool to play. Um, I still play it to this day. You know, we still get together and scrimmage with the guys, even though we're not technically on a team. Uh, but yeah, that, those are some of the really great times for sure. I remember going down and watching you guys play. I think Rick and I went down there together. Yes. And I could not believe the speed and the, the the pounding of the of the wheelchairs and all that it was just so fun to watch. And I was just so encouraged about seeing you guys, um, you know, just going to a whole other level of athleticism, even after injury. It was pretty, pretty powerful to see. We're going to come back to you, Marcus. I want um, the, the public to meet Freddie now. Gunny Sergeant Freddie Torres, 
man. Uh, Freddie, uh, what an inspiration you like Marcus uh, have just been an amazing, amazing warrior to follow, to track back from your days uh, of returning back from saying in Afghanistan. And I, I want the, the, the nation to hear your story about injury because Freddie also goes in the locker room. And I got to tell you guys, when you see these guys talking to these athletes and there's 70 to 80 of them kneeled up, looking at them there isn't a pin drop that you could i mean it is so silent and everybody's fixed on them because their their stories are so powerful welcome to the show freddie morning coach thanks for having me so tell us your story gunny about your injury just like marcus did uh tell us about what you recall from that day and then uh, we'll we'll discuss some other things here yeah, definitely. It was uh, December 30th, 2010. Um, I had just gone to a new area of operation, uh, completely brand new platoon, new squad that I had gotten to. And uh, my first patrol out on December 30th, we're out for about four or five hours gaining uh, atmospherics and talking to the local nationals, talking to the village elders, uh, pretty much gaining intelligence since we were going to be there for the next three, four months uh, projected. And we were making our way back to the patrol base, and on the way in, the back of my squad, one of my Marines stepped on an IED uh, and provided close advice of roadside bombs. And luckily, that bomb didn't go off all the way. So we we brought we brought him back into the patrol base, got him out of there. Uh, he's fine. It was just a, a shattered ankle, which he recovered from. But then we had to go back out there and blow in place. The rest of the uh, the uh, explosives that were out there. So, in transition to being out there and setting down the the explosives to blow more explosives, the Taliban took advantage of that. We had a four man team out there, and that's when they opened up an ambush from about 200 meters away. A couple what we call murder holes. Murder holes. There were just holes where they were just big enough on their walls to put their barrels down and suppress us with and ambush us with. So they suppressed us from those murder holes. And I happened to be on the back of that fire team placing down the explosives. Uh, and that's when I got hit twice in the leg from that uh, ambush position. So you get hit um, in the legs through these guys that were firing through the the murder holes. What do you recall after that, Freddie? So it was, um, so there was only four of us out there at the time. It was just uh, my one of my team leaders, Corporal Zach Wallace, who ended up saving my life. Uh, my combat engineer, um, Zach Stengel, and then uh, one of my other assault men was out there. So it was a four-man team, and I was on the rear of it. And as I'm about to step over this explosive that we had just laid down to blow in place, uh, to my right is where we got ambushed. And I remember just seeing the dust. I was right next to a wall, and there was dust pellets that went off. There were so many rounds hitting that wall next to me. And I didn't really know that I was hit. And my immediate reaction was to turn contact right, basically. It's one of our immediate action drills. I contact right, I put off my rifle, and I started suppressing where I saw dust from coming from those murder holes. And I immediately started running in that direction towards the direction of fire. And it wasn't until about 50 meters until I stopped running. There was about a, a, a waist-high wall with a little divot, and that's where... 
in my head, I was thinking I was going to take a knee and get behind it and suppress that uh, murder hole. And that's when I, I got to that divot and I, I fell on my back. When I stood up or I tried to uh, sit up, stand up, uh, I saw my desert uh, frog bottoms, my camis were completely red, drenched in red, and they were wet at the time. So they were drenched in blood, right? And you had no idea about the extent of your injury, but uh, your fellow warriors come over to you and they try stopping the bleeding. What happens after that? That's where that 50 meters that I had ran, Zach Wallace, uh, I can see him from the periphery of my eye. He's running and sprinting towards me and just like, almost like an action movie, a war movie, he slides in, like on his knees, and he immediately starts treating me, starts working me. He uh, takes a seatbelt cutter off, which is like scissors, essentially, and uh, like a razor, and he cuts he cuts my camis off, he cuts my, my uh, pants off, and immediately blood was gushing out. There was worth of blood coming out right from that area that he opened it up. So he, he does this to both legs, immediately sees one is gushing blood, uh, notices that the artery had, had been damaged or hit at this point, uh, grabs a tourniquet and slides it in and immediately puts his fingers, it, it, it was a pretty deep hole, puts his fingers in the hole and with his palm down, applies his entire weight of and, and pressure on it uh, to stop the bleeding, you know, gets, gets gauze out, gets other uh, medical materials out and stuffs it in there uh, and wraps it until... He, he calls for, for backup so he can uh, get me out of there. Oh, buddy, I, what a story. I mean, you and, and Marcus's stories are just so amazing. Um, both of you, after injury, get uh, a medevaced out of, of Afghanistan. They were in an area of Afghanistan called Sangha, and I could tell you something right now, guys. It was probably one of the worst parts that you could be in during that time in uh in in the Helmand province of Afghanistan and both these gentlemen get injured uh seriously injured uh Marcus losing his leg Freddie getting shot in the femoral artery and when he talks about the the gushing of blood he had literally got nicked in his artery so they get medevaced out they get sent to uh I guess Landstuhl Landstuhl uh Germany and then onward to the States. And this is where they recover. We heard a little bit about Marcus's uh, recovery and what he did afterwards. Freddie is recently, now you're still in the Marine Corps. You're still in. And uh, uh, recently, what have you been doing? Tell uh, the listening audience about some of the great stuff you've been doing listening. And then I want to come back to one thing when it comes to Marcus, what you've been doing, Freddie. Well, I think the last, over the last, a little bit over a year, something that's, uh, that's changed with me that has been different from all the honorables I've been doing is, I'll just say it like I found God. I found Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. And the way I give that story now, it used to be called a warrior case study. And it's not, it's not a warrior case study. It's a, it's a 100% testimony. My leg was getting ripped off and I was getting medically retired. And then I was never going to walk and run the same way I used to. But I took the challenge and I took the adversity, I took the roadblock and I went against it because I had the option in my eyes, it was a, I was gonna, I failed at something. 
I failed and I had the option to stay down, not get myself back up, not pick myself back up, not learn from it, and not do great things for it. That was not an option for me. So I chose not to be a failure. Failing and failing, that's a failure, two different things. And I share that story with you, not for myself, not to put myself up here. I share that story with you because I used to think that I was lucky. I used to think it was coincidence. I used to think that I trained my squad so damn well that they got me out of the bread. Let me tell you right now, that wasn't the case. I was far from being right. That was God, my Savior, my Lord, that saved me that day for a purpose to, whatever it was, to be up here and stand. And I hope that it reaches one of you today. On why God kept me around that day. And, and I will, it took me a long time to share that story. There's many friends that I have close. My, my family doesn't even know that story. Uh, to the to the extent the way I share it with you guys at, in the honorable, uh, but it took me about till 2018 to slowly start coming out, and then it was last year, uh, towards the end of the summer, where um, I found God and and it started realizing that it was it was a testimony, and I get to share that now, and people that are going going through challenges and adversities and going through tough times in life, and it's like hey like. You, you can make it like you, you just need to go to one person. One person is going to get you out of it. And it was that's that's biggest. That's the biggest thing with me now. Last night we finished uh, youth training to, to do some youth leadership, youth ministry. Uh, for the last couple of months, we've been doing that. Very involved with my church, my community. Um, yeah, it's, it's, that's, that's the biggest thing in my life now. Street Street. <laughs> You're such an inspiration, buddy. And let me guys, let me. Uh, uh, we're going to come back to a little bit more about that, Freddie, but Marcus, um, one thing I want America's audience to hear is that you're from a Navajo Indian descent, right? Marcus, there's only a few, uh, educate me a little bit, Marcus, when it comes to Navajo warriors, um, over the years, there's been some amazing Navajo warriors. I mean, we could go all the way back to the code talkers of, 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 um, was it World War II? Correct me if I'm wrong, Marcus. Yeah, World War II. World War II. Um, tell us a little bit about your ancestry and what caused you to join the Marine Corps. Uh, yeah, so I'm originally from Phoenix, Arizona. I um, am a part of the Navajo tribe as well as the Hopi and the Choctaw tribe. Um, and really becoming a Marine, I've had a lot of, um, you know, a lot of people that I was around, a lot of family members um, that were Marines. They presented themselves in a, in a particular way. They were always respected. Um, and so it's, it's something that I, that I really, you know, aspired to as a, as a young individual. Um, my wife's uh, grandfather was a part of the uh, Code Talker Association uh, during that time in World War II and, and uh, you know, fought in the Pacific theater of war and combat. And, you know, there's, there's direct lineage that, that we have and we share within our family. So serving as a Marine, uh, not only speaks to, you know, our, our history of, of being in the military, specifically the Marine Corps, um, but you know, how we carry that warrior mindset into today's, um, use and in today's military force. What an inspiration, Marcus. I mean, really buddy guys, let me also give you a little inspiration here. The Navajo code talkers were really the ones that um, developed a code using their language. Correct me, Marcus. I don't want to say anything wrong. Using the, the, the Navajo language to create a code 
that could not be intercepted by the Germans, um, by others that were attacking us during World War II, and literally saved a lot of American lives. Am I right, Marcus? I don't want to do any injustice to that. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's very interesting that uh, within the past decade that the declassification of that code, um, you know, a lot of code talkers now have the ability to share that information, um, but it's it's still a code. So even if they were to share the, the code with the guys that, you know, actually speak Navajo fluently, um, we still wouldn't figure out, you know, what it actually meant. You know, the, the verbiage and the context uh, in which they utilize it is still within a code. So I think that's pretty cool. That's still kind of a, a sworn secrecy. If you know, you know. Um, if you don't, you know, you, you got a lot of learning to do. So. <laughs> Free five! Get up! Get some. I love it. I love it. All right. Back to the honorable. So. I ask you guys, I'm like, hey, man, we're looking for some people that will go into the locker rooms, inspire the athletes before they go on the field, uh, motivate the coaches, get them pumped up. So, like, we're the last people to talk to them before they take the field, right? So I ask you guys years ago, will you guys be a part of this? Will you come and be a part of this honor ball that uh, uh, every game, Every team gets this talk. It's not like it's, uh, uh, you know, the whole teams come together and we do two at one. We actually do this 10 minutes before they go out on the football field, right? Um, Marcus, what 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 fires you up about those talks? What what inspires you about it? Because you're, you and Freddie are just amazing at it. Um, what do you get out of that, my friend? Uh, from a sports perspective, I mean, you do anything and everything when it comes to practice to, you know, succeeding in the classroom in order to even participate in sports. You go through a lot of, um, you know, pain. You go through a lot of effort and in, in trying to make yourself the best, whether that's as an individual or you're comprised of a team. Um, and when it comes to football specifically, they encompass all of that. They encompass a lot of courage, a lot of teamwork, you know, a lot of adaptability. They got to go through a lot of different environments, you know, whether they're playing in the summer or the winter time. Um, and the only really difference is, is the fact is that they're not getting shot at. So, I mean, they do a lot of the really cool uh, training aspects, the mentality that's behind it. Um, you know, a lot of the, the stringent work that goes into it. So when we get there, it's it's go time. Um, they're there for a reason. They're there to try to, to you know, put forth their best efforts uh, into winning the day's game, uh, just like we would do, you know, serving in the military. And so when we get out there and we talk to them, we kind of want to be a part of that, share some of that excitement, share some of that camaraderie, you know, get them, you know, you know, as, as well prepped mentally, get them super excited to play a game. Um, that they essentially came to love, just like, you know, we loved, you know, being in the Marine Corps, being a part of the military. And there's not anything about what we do um, that we would go back and, and change uh, if the outcome were to be different. And that's the reason why when we go in there, it's just a, it's a flip of the switch. I think we've talked about this plenty of times, you know, you see the switch go on and it's like we're completely different personalities. And I think Freddie can speak to this. Uh, I've seen his switch go on multiple times and it's it's go time, you know. Everybody's either, you know, an arm distance away uh, for their own protection, but uh, yeah. at, at the same time, you're like, please, you know, share all this knowledge and experience with me. Yeah, Three I got to get some. Get some. Two get some. Wow, that's awesome. <laughs> no, I mean, it, it's really inspirational, buddy, and you do such a great job, Freddie. What, what, what gets you going when it comes to those moto talks, buddy? I think back to. So I think back of where I'm at today and how I got here, and I think back to a bunch of my leaders, especially those first four years where I was, 
you know, very moldable and they were able to shape me. So Star Major Burton now retired, uh, Freddie Herrera, who's one of my platoon stars, Joe Patterson, Star Major Angels, I have so many people, Jake Fernandez, the, to, that have made me the, that inspired me to be what I'm at today. So I mentioned that because I try to be that same inspiration that those leaders were to me and push that in the locker room as much as possible. So you heard it this last time we were in uh, NorCal where, where I got to talk to that second football team twice. You know, I talked to them down in San Diego, talked to them up north in uh, Northern California, and I talked about uh, being physically, mentally, and characteristically spiritually fit, uh, being competent, remaining an eternal student, uh, taking care of those around you and being a good person. And I take those four foundations, that philosophy, from the ones that raised me and made me who I am today. And my my biggest strive and, and inspiration is to push that to them. And, and it's, it's amazing what it does. I, I've mentioned to you, Coach, I've had recruits come up to me and tell me, I played in the Honor Bowl. I listened to your story That's just... in that locker room. And and it, it goes a long way. And they they you know they they thank you and they, they tell you I was facing this challenge and I was going through this and I thought back to your story and it got me through it. So big big uh, reason why I do it. What it gets me going. Get some. Get some. Three five. Three five. Got to keep things even here. <laughs> One of the things, um, one of the things that you don't know about Freddie, and that is that uh, he recently was a drill uh, instructor at uh, MCRD in San Diego, and I don't, I, I lost count. I think you did three or four groups. Am I right over the years? I did all together. I did about six cycles. He did six cycles with six different teams of recruits that are looking to become Marines. And he's the drill instructor that's getting them ready to wear that Eagle globe and anchor. And uh, I got to tell you, buddy, uh, to have people or kids that have played athletes, student athletes that have played in the honor bowl, come up to you while you're a drill instructor at MCRD. That's got to be absolutely an inspiration, buddy. It's an amazing feeling. I, you know, I talk about my time as being a drill instructor, probably some of the best years of my life and, and growth and maturity and development. But uh, to have one of these kids come up to me, and, and it's such a huge sense of accomplishment. And, and it means a lot to me for them to come up to me and say that. And for them, it, it you know, but to share a story saying they, they were facing this or they were going through this at home and they didn't know how to get through it. And they thought back to that story, not just my story, but I've also gotten to share Senecero stories, uh, about this story, uh, James Stack story, and for them to get through that and use our stories, use our experience to, to get through through life, that it, it's not easy. So huge sense of accomplishment. Absolutely, buddy. You know what I love about it is when after you guys get done speaking and we do the get some to get everybody's get ready to go on the football field. I mean, the energy is so intense. I'm feeling it right now. 3-5, our company commander had one specific saying, and that was get some. No matter where we were at, no matter the environment, no matter how high, no matter how low, no matter how high and cold, blood, sweat, tears, we were going to get some. We were going to get some. So what I want you guys to do is stand up. I want you on your feet right now. Now when I say 3-5, you guys are going to yell at the top of your lungs, get some. We good? Yes, sir. All right, here we go. 
But it's so intense, but I love the way the athletes and the coaches come up to you guys and shake your hand and, and thank you so much for your service. It truly is an educational platform. Am I right, Marcus? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's it's really good to see, you know, how much effort coaches, uh, assistant coaches, you know, athlete programmers that mm. go out and, and put a lot of effort into just you know, giving these guys the ability to to show how good they are. Mm -hmm. um, it, it speaks volumes from, you know, teachings that we get that are foundational in the Marine Corps that we still carry today. Um, I like Freddie Torres's emphasis on the philosophy, uh, you know, the warrior ethos that we carry around. That's something that we always talk about. Um, you know, I'm a father of six children. I pass those same philosophies and ethos. It's kind of, it's, it's it comes off as an expectation more than a conversation about, you know, um, you know, what's expected of them. But, you know, there's so many great things that, that we share and cumbers into, you know, just being great in general. No doubt about it. No doubt. How does that make you feel, Freddie, when they come up to you afterwards in the locker room? What kind of feeling do you get? I feel like it, it just gets better and better every year. I'm like, I'm at this, you know, this all-time, I don't know, I don't know what to call it, this all-time high. And these kids just come up here and they thank you and they're so respectful. This year, I'm not saying the other years they weren't respectful, but this year there was something about these athletes and these students and people say, oh, our generation's lost, it's gone. No, it's not. We are so grateful and thankful for these coaches and these assistant coaches and everybody that has a finger on these kids, a fingerprint on these kids to make them better, better Americans. To, to appreciate what we have. These freedoms are not free. We hear that all the time. We just had Veterans Day yesterday, Marine Corps birthday a couple of days ago. These freedoms are paid by somebody. We we could easily be another country, but we're not because of, of service members. And that goes to the coaches and the athletes uh, staff that, you know, put that put that thought process in their head. This, this isn't, you know, you can't take this for granted. And uh, I'm very appreciative of those those staff, and it, it feels really good. It does. Oh, buddy, God, I just got goosebumps. I got to tell you, um, I when people tell me that the youth of America are lost, I tell them, come to an honorable. <laughs> come to an honorable. If you want to see that there's hope, if there's inspiration, there's uh, there's greatness out there still in America. Come in a locker room at the Honor Bowl and see what goes down there. I mean, we'll have teams. There's Some of these teams are 120 people. Some are 70. Some are 40, right, depending on the size of the squad. But you get inspired. You get inspired and you go, man, there's the hope of America. We still have greatness in America, and that's our youth that is still coming up. And for them to have a chance to meet you guys, right? And the way you guys inspire them and the way they look at you and the way they, they, they respect you and, 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 and want to do uh, play their best game ever for you um, is pretty something awesome. Marcus, do you remember when we were told that there was a young man that was kneeling before the games during the honor bowl and uh, someone on in the media side sidetracking me, and uh, I can't remember who it was, but he said, "Hey, coach, you know, there's someone that's been kneeling, and you said nobody kneels at the honor ball." 
And we had you talk directly to this gentleman in the locker room. Why you? Do you remember that, Marcus? Yeah, it was, uh, you know, to really try to inspire what this country really represents and, uh, you know, being able to stand out of respect for those who have come, uh, regardless of where we are gender based. Um, and I know those things are super important when it comes to, um, you know, our, our social and economic development. But really, it, in when we're all coming together, you find inspiration by actions of the things that people have done and the, the, what they've gone through, um, the sacrifices that they've paid um, and what they continue to pay for it and the representation of that. And, you know, it, it's out of it's out of genuine respect that I was able to to look this young gentleman in the eye and kind of instill a little bit more to, to help him understand that, you know, obviously his voice will be heard through his. His, his experience in sports, um, but his ability to inspire others um, goes 10 times further than that. And so to kind of share that a little bit with him, um, I'm sure resonated, you know, a, a lot better than just following, you know, a, a simple uh, gesture of, of taking a knee during sports uh, was to really kind of come full circle and explain like, hey, we, we do these things out of protest, but um, we also do these things out of the greatness, which, you know, furthers our ability to inspire others. You are so awesome. Free <laughs> that was awesome. And, and so, you know, like what Marcus said, uh, he spoke to this kid, he looked him in the eyes and uh, he did not kneel. He did not kneel. He wasn't impressed and inspired. And we heard afterwards, uh, he never kneeled again. So it was, uh, it, it's something special that you guys do that you guys bring to the honorable. And we wanted America to hear your story and uh, um, and what you guys do. I think it's important that uh, people know uh, what happens in those locker rooms before those teams take the field and what makes the honor bowl so special. It really is powerful. Marcus, what are you doing now, buddy? What's your, what's your career path now, my friend? Uh, I work in telecommunications. So I do networking design as well as uh, fiber distribution. Uh, when it comes to incorporating networks, we have a big initiative that's pushing into Native American communities across the U.S., giving them broadband increases, um, you know, just making sure they have an infrastructure that supports their network um, and that gives them basic connections like cell phone service, Internet capabilities, um, and then they're just the network infrastructure that supports their tribe. Excellent, Marcus. Got us perfect for you, my friend. That is yeah. perfect. Show and also... Show me the money. Also, he is a um, a wonderful father. What wonderful father of six amazing kids. Uh, I've had the opportunity to meet him. They're beautiful, uh, highly respectful, just great kids. Beautiful wife. Uh, very proud of you, Marcus. Very proud of you. I appreciate that very, very Freddie, much. Um, you've you've become. Uh, 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 we already talked about it. Uh, a man of faith. Uh, God definitely has taken you to a whole other level. Uh, I, you know, I know that you probably have just a few years left before you're going to be retiring out of the Marine Corps. What are your plans, my friend? I don't know yet. Um, <laughs> I don't know where this, uh, this new journey is taking me. Um, you know, I kind of, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to go into another federal job or if I'm going to stay with the church, whatever God's calling to, for me to do. I, I really enjoy talking to the youth and, and it goes from the devil pups program that I've done 
the honorable, my recruits, and just being around the younger Marines and uh, being able to push that that inspiration to, to to be better, to be a better person, and everything you know we we just talked about. But I I don't know. I haven't decided where where I'm going with this uh this next uh, journey in my life. That's amazing, buddy. How much? How many more years do you think you have in the Marine Corps? Uh, at least two. At least two. two. At least two. Congratulations, Freddie. I mean, you guys are just amazing warriors. Rick, hey, I, I don't want you to be silent, buddy. You've been around these guys as much as I have. Uh, you got anything you want to say, Rick? You know, Marcus, you say the um, you watched the video and you thought it was funny. Um, we're talking the day remembered, right? The I day believe remembered. so, yeah. yeah. Blue skies, ground, blue skies, ground. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was, uh, that's what got me involved with Mark Soto. Um, we traveled down to San Diego, thought we were just going to film a, you know, a few things for the web and it changed my life. It truly, truly changed my life. And three, five, get up! Uh, he gave himself a get up. <laughs> he gave himself a get up. I love it. I, I think, love uh, it. I think what's really important to share too is, is uh, the story of how me and Freddie actually met. Um, I was already at the hospital. Um, original date was in, of injury was in October. Uh, Freddie's was in, in, in December. And I had try I was trying to keep track of everybody that was coming in uh, because I was one of the very first, if not maybe like the second or third, uh, 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 like traumatic injury from from that deployment. Um, so I was, I was, as I was capturing people in, I remember they were like, hey, we just got a new guy. His name is Freddie Torres. Uh, I believe you were, you might've been a, a Lance Corporal or a Corporal at the time. I can't really remember. Um, and I, we went to try to go see you right when you came in, but they're like, okay, he's got surgery later on. They're going to prep him. Um, so when you were done, you came out of surgery. We went back. I had known the hospital uh, through everything. I could go through any door at that point, just because we had, we had been around everywhere. Um, so I remember going up to the hospital room and, and meeting Freddie and just letting him know like, Hey, I was in uh kilo company last minute. They switched me to H and S, you know, he got a little bit of chance to talk about his injuries and some of the things, but we were on such like parallel trajectories of not giving up our military career and going back uh, to military service. Once I was done with Balboa, I went to Vim FT 101 uh, to become a flight flight equipment technician and continue, you know, serving an additional three years before um, I eventually retired out. And well, you know, Marcus is on a roll right there. And Freddie, do, do you know exactly what he was talking about right then? No, I honestly don't remember. Probably the first couple of weeks. Um, in and out of surgery. Um, I remember my family was there. A bunch of my friends uh, from Southern California were in the area and they came, you know, there's a picture out there with, with Lon bedside and they're all next to me to my left and to my right. But um, yeah, one thing that we didn't, I, I didn't really talk about, I share this with the athletes is I was told my career was over. It was, it was done. Uh, I was told my leg was getting amputated. Uh, I was, they talked about medical retirement for me. And they said I was never going to run the same way again. And in my head, and just like Marcus said, we weren't giving up on our career. I still felt like I had a lot more to give to the Marine Corps. And I took that as a challenge. And the doctors, they said, this is going to be at a minimum nine months for you to start even running uh, again. So um, I took that as a challenge. And um, I took uh, I took on that. And, and I... 
I didn't, I didn't let that happen. That, that, you know, I'm, I'm still here today, active duty, uh, in the Marine Corps because I accepted the challenge and I didn't let a bunch of doctors. And again, it goes back to me thinking I was lucky, me thinking I, you know, whatever, but it wasn't, it was God, God, God worked that through me and everything I've gotten to do in my career up until this point and everything I still have left, you know, I was like, man, I, I've been so lucky to be, become this and do this and deploy this. No, it, it, it was all part of, of God's plan and his purpose for me to be where I'm at today. Like, I don't think of anything as a coincidence anymore. No, there's no such thing as a coincidence. Everything's God's plan. So, Marcus, we lost you briefly there, but um, Freddie, I think, was able to carry on uh, from that uh, that uh, that fateful day. Uh, man, there's so many things that uh, I remember about you guys. There's so many things that have inspired me just by hearing your stories, by, um, you know, meeting your families, uh, you know, just becoming your friends, right? Uh, you know, my son served with you guys and he's been a, an amazing inspiration to me, but you guys, I got to tell you, man, uh, uh, speaking on behalf of Rick and our team here at the honor group and the honor bowl, uh, you already heard a little bit from Rick, you guys, we love you. We love you. And as long as we're doing this honor bowl, we want you there. We want you there because more and more, Young men, women, athletes, coaches, communities need to know your stories. They need to know the story of the 3rd Battalion, 5th Marines, what you guys have done, what you guys did in Hellman Province, the, the way you won that area, the way you uh, you conquered it, established schools, did all that. And then after the deployment, the great men that you continue to be. So I just want you guys to know that we love you. Thank you for being on our podcast. Thank you for being a part of the Honor Bowl. Um, uh, there's nothing more. I hope you guys have a wonderful holiday season. Um, and we will be in touch because we're talking Honor Bowl Texas now. We're talking, uh, I mean, uh, it looks like Honor Bowl Texas is definitely going to happen. We're still playing around with Honor Bowl Arizona, of course, San Diego, um, the, the mission is growing. The mission is growing. And as long as you guys will have us, we want you there. We want you there. Am I right, Rick? Absolutely. We want you there. My goodness. So anyways, guys, thank you. This is honor radio. Uh, we will be back next week with another guest. We got them lined up. We're going to be bringing them in, but, uh, have a great Thanksgiving. Um, I uh, hope you all had a great veterans day. And thank you for listening to Honor Radio.